I'm R.J. Bell with the sports betting headlines for Tuesday. Ravens win a rager. Baker Mayfield answering some real questions about his future with the Browns, even though they lost the game. Lamar Jackson answers questions, but there's one Jackson question no one seems to be asking. Speaking of OMG, the line in that game yesterday, plus three for the Browns, plus three with seconds left, and then a safety. How many millions were changed hands? Who benefited? We'll talk about it. College football playoff rankings released after the show. Current top four looks mighty solid. Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, all favored by double digits by combined nearly 50 points. And Notre Dame, based upon the odds, will get in even if they lose. Here comes a full hour of the Vegas Truth covering all that and more. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Radio. This is Straight Out of Vegas. With the voice of Vegas, your host, R.J. Bell. The pregame show America has always wanted. I doubt the future. From the Vegas Strip, here's R.J. Bell. You heard it. I'm R.J. live from Las Vegas. And woo-wee, what a day. The Aftermath Part 2 after Monday night football. Man, oh, man. Those plus three tickets. (laughs) We're going to get into that right off the top. Sports bettors listen for the money. Sports fans to know more than their buddies. I'm the pro. He's the Joe, Jonas Knox in Los Angeles. Always good to be here, RJ. And yes, on a day in which we've got the unveiling of another set of college football playoff rankings coming up later on. As we gear up for week 15 now in the NFL, what is the Vegas lead here on this Tuesday? You know, I'm going to tell you about a dream, a passion project dream I have, Jonas. (laughs) And that dream, it's kind of personal, is that when something like last night's game ending happens that there's a lot of people and I'll say that uh, very ambitiously a lot of people are thinking man I can't wait to hear what RJ has to say about that I think we've achieved that to some degree I think we can grow that a lot more but I just love days like today because you know many times in my life if it were sports if it were politics if it were other things of interest to me Howard Stern, when something would happen, I'd be thinking, huh, what's Howard going to say about this? And I think with a lot of sports stuff, Colin Cowherd rises to that level for me. And hopefully for our listeners on the gambling side, that's where we reside. And I want to deliver on it. I think we got to start not only with Monday Night Football, but in the game's ending. Yeah, it was a wild one last night in Cleveland. Ravens over the Browns, 47-42. to An interesting score considering to most people it shouldn't have been a five-point win. It should have been a three-point win. Thus, there were a lot of unhappy people after that game was over. Yeah, and first, let's – and I tweeted this out uh, with all the details at RJ in Vegas on Twitter – a lot of people are thinking, oh, yeah, there was a lot of, um, you know, money bet 
before the game day and you know Ravens were favored by one point then two points then three points and it's like yeah it was kind of a split action no what people don't realize is this was even bigger than you might think because the amount of game day action on NFL games is just so much bigger than people realize you can bet the whole week so people might think oh yeah there's more betting on game day but you know, there's a lot of betting before that. So up at pregame.com, we have the Game Center. And for free, you get to see the bet splits on every game, the cash splits. And that's really hard to get for free. It's a fun way to say, well, 58% on this and 40-some percent on that. And if you look at it, come Sunday, 6 a.m. So this was, you know, before Monday, obviously Sunday, 6 a.m., there was about 150,000 bet on the Monday night game up to that point. Now, entering Monday the day, there was 450,000 bets. So about 300 more thousand bet throughout Sunday. Two hours before kickoff, there was 1.6 million bet. And at kickoff, 3.4 million. So literally more than half of the betting on Monday Night Football, this specific game happened in the last two hours. Wow. And only entering Monday, 450,000 of 3.4 million. So like one-seventh of the action had been bet entering Monday. So almost everyone that bet the game had the Browns, if they had the Browns plus three, and the Ravens minus three. So this was an example of it would have been a big push if it had fallen three. With some, uh, the, the books really would have gotten hurt in that case. And here's why. Most people that bet early would have bet the Ravens. That's why it, the line moved up. And thus, in, the, in betting, it's called being sided, S-I-D-E-D. Whereas you pay one side and then you push the other side. So the books, it would have been a bad result. But the players, hardly anyone would have lost. Hardly any players would have lost at three. They either would have pushed or won. Now, what ends up happening is all the Browns batters lose, and pretty much. And it was, a, you know, when it came to the, how the books did on that, it was pretty split. So it's fair to say that when it comes to the betters overall versus the bookies, yeah, it was about a, a split. But when it comes to who won, there were hundreds, hundreds of millions of dollars amongst batters that swung hands. So obviously, all of the Browns batters lost, all the Ravens batters won. And for those that didn't see it, that five-point final, and I think everyone listening to the show probably knows, but uh, there was a safety on that very last play. And it was a futile play. It didn't seem to have any rationale to it. <laughs> and the funny thing is I get the idea of taking the chance, but why not move forward? Why keep moving backwards? <laughs> so, but, but I, I actually, I think that's the worst way. Like if, if you had the Browns plus three or whatever it was, or it, to lose like that, I think is even worse because it's just, you're watching. It's almost like it's in slow motion. You're just watching them move back another yard and back five more yards. And all of a sudden they run out of room and it's just such a helpless feeling. You know, there's a great movie and I mean a great movie called the gambler. And, um, 
Mark Wahlberg remade it, uh, I think five years ago, maybe. And I like that version, but the original version that has James Caan playing the main character, you know, Sonny Corleone, is one of the great, if not the greatest gambling movie ever. And, and there's a scene in which he's on a run in Vegas. Now, remember, this movie was made like in 74. So Vegas is like nothing, you know, compared to what it is now. So it was, you know, it's like four or five hotels, dirt roads kind of things. And James Caan is just on a roll. I mean, just winning, winning, winning. And finally, he's playing blackjack and he has 18 and he's got like 20,000 bet on it. You know, this is 1974 money now. And he goes, hit me. And everyone's looking, like, and he goes, hit me. And hit, a three comes out, hits the 21, and he goes, I'm done. You know, it was like, it was, it was like he, he needed something to happen to tell him the streak was over. Uh, and that sounds cheesy, but it's a, a, an amazing movie. And, and I'm pretty critical of gambling movies. So it, it's, a, you know, it's one to seek out. But the, the reality is, in that movie, and it's based on the Dostoevsky book, The Gambler, for those who like to read, you know, literature f- fans, is the concept is that a lot of compulsive gamblers want to lose. That there's a ma- there's a masochistic element to it where they want to feel the pain, right? So they're like sadistic to themselves. <laughs> and I think there's some truth to that in some, and, and, and you know, especially amongst compulsives, but there's something else that I don't think anyone's ever really put their finger on, which is when there's that moment when it's all on the line. Cause if you had the Browns and you had, let's say a big bet on them, right? Cause that's why a guy like Barkley bets so much. People say Barkley's lost. You know, I think the papers have said like 15 million in his life betting or like big, big numbers. Right. And there, you know, one time he was asked, why do you bet so much? And he's like, well, I got to bet enough that I care, right? Because, like, if you bet a quarter <laughs> on a game, you don't care, right? So you got to bet enough that you care. And let's imagine you've had a bet on the game <laughs> and you had enough that you cared. And your stomach has that feeling when they're throwing the ball around. That even though you <laughs> you know you're putting yourself in this situation, that you're making yourself vulnerable to fate in a way, you love the risk. You love the suspense. I can remember back in the score phone days, right? So pre-internet, I graduated college in 92. So you know, I was doing a lot of betting and, you know, even before that, no internet. So you would call up a score phone and they would promote whatever they were promoting, like sell your house for the game of the year, you know, kind of thing. But then you get to the scores and it was free. And what would happen is let's say I was laying six, all right, on a basketball game. And they'd say, um, let's say the Lakers, Lakers 78, or, or let's be more realistic, Lakers 118. And you're thinking, don't say 110, don't say one. Cause if it comes in at like 108, <laughs> you know, you got it right. If you're right, laying six right. or whatever, then it'll be one. And then you hear the team start and it's oh, 13. And then you do the math in your head. It's, ah! it's like <laughs> that moment 
is what for a lot of people it's all about. Now, listen, you you don't talk a ton about it, but you like to bet recreationally. Can you relate to what I'm saying? Oh, 100%. But I can't. If I do anything over 10 bucks, <laughs> I'm stressing out about it but because <laughs> because I got burned so bad. I, I tried a $100 parlay one time ah. on and it was back when LeBron James, I think, was a rookie. And so this was pl- pretty straight out of Vegas. Yeah, this was a long time ago. I was a busboy at TGI Fridays. It was a Friday night and I put a hundred dollar parlay on uh the calves i had the calves plus two and i bet the under of 201 and they were playing the orlando magic they were leading throughout the game and it was a low scoring game and then all of a sudden points started flying by in the fourth quarter and the game wasn't televised so i'm just checking the the scores periodically on the bottom line back then there was no you know we didn't oh, have that NBA was the tickets. worst that was the worst when they would stop right before your game yeah, and they go and to the commercial, commercial it yeah. wasn't on it was awful so i'm i'm you know pretending like i'm you know squirting down tables and i'm stressing <laughs> out about this bet and it gets to uh, uh, Cleveland is leading Orlando 100 to 97 with under 10 seconds left. So I'm looking good. I've got Cleveland minus two, and I've got the under of 201. And so <laughs> you still I, remember. You still yeah, remember. I remember it because I, it changed how I gambled for the rest of my life. And I remember Tracy McGrady put up a three at the buzzer for Orlando. He missed it, but he got fouled. And he went to the free throw line. He hit all free, all three free throws, and it went to overtime. And because it was a parlay, the over hit, and I lost my bet. Uh-huh. And I, I spent the rest of the night looking at every table and every dish that I was cleaning going, this is all free tonight. Like, I'm not going to get paid tonight because I got to go pay whoever it is that I bet through the hundred bucks, and that's about what I was going to make that night if I hustled enough. So, Even if you yeah. didn't pay taxes, <laughs> it's terrible. Yeah, it was terrible. <laughs> that's Jonas Talks. I'm RJ Bo, straight out of Vegas. And really, we don't talk about the lifestyle of gambling a ton, but it, this is a night or you know a recap to really think about. As Hyman Roth said in Godfather 2, you know, this is the business we've chosen. Why do we do these things? And remember, if you're not, about half our audience doesn't bet. They just like to know what the Sharps know, and, and we love that. And, and I try to cater to that. I, I know if you bet, you're going to like what we do. Right? I want the people who are in, that respect Vegas, but don't bet. I want them to like what we do also. And, you know, half the people are in that category. But... Think about it. It's If you bet a nickel, let's say you bet 500, it's not the 500 you have at risk. You've effectively got 1,050 at risk because if you win 500 versus lose 550. And I'm telling you right now, I make, you know, I've been luckily successful or some luck, but a lot of hard work, successful. Uh, I can spend $1,000 without it, you know, really thinking about it. I, I you know. But when they're, when you're thinking, I'm going to have $1,000 less, 1050 less if it goes one way or 1050 more if it goes the other and there's a field goal or something that is going to decide it, <laughs> it is a big – it churns your stomach yeah. in a way that that's the weird part. You're not a, inclined to be a big gambler because you hated that feeling. <laughs> but you know what? A lot me. of people love that feeling. They chase yeah. it cuz they want to win cuz you're going to win half the time at least and thus you're going to love it and that's it's the ag- agony and ecstasy of gambling and last night when it was and that's the funny thing is when things like that 
laterals was happening, most of the time it turns out to mean nothing. But you know one out of 30 times it's going to mean something, and that's when you're watching it. That tingle is what it's all about. Some people love it, and some (laughs) people hate it, like Jonas. Yeah, it was awful. All right, so let's do this. Let's take our first break. I'm not a hot take guy, Jonas. You know that. Cold cash over hot takes. Yeah. But here's what I'm going to say. I'm going to say something about Lamar Jackson that's going to be taken as very critical, and I'm going to challenge people to explain to me why I'm wrong. He's R.J. Bell. I'm Jonas Knox. This is the pregame show you've always wanted right here on Fox Sports Radio. Straight out of Vegas! Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. I'm R.J. Bell. We are straight out of Vegas. And I'm Jonas Knox, voice of you, the fan. Coming up here in just a couple of moments, we will take a closer look at the interesting conversation of Lamar Jackson. You know, Jonas, I was thinking about uh, LeBron and your bad beat story costing you so much money. Have you ever told Rob Parker that to add to his hate of LeBron? (laughs) No, he's already got enough fuel. I I don't need to add any more to that. (laughs) LeBron did all he could. It was Tracy McGrady and the foul call that really bothered me. One of the masters of hot takes, Rob Parker, (laughs) right after this show. But I'll say this. I'm not a hot take guy, but what I'm going to say next, you're probably, a lot of you, especially if you love Lamar, is going to consider it a hot take. But I'd bet you on it. Promise you that. (laughs) It's about, (laughs) this is the fastest growing show on Fox Sports Radio. Audiences doubled in the last year plus. We thank you so much for the support. We'll keep trying extra hard to continue and finish this great football season. Right here in Las Vegas on the Strip, 55 degrees, and the neon is pumping. And, RJ, before we have to get into the conversation about Lamar Jackson here, you mentioned Rob Parker. In celebration of Fox Sports Radio's 20th anniversary, we are naming the top 20 athletes of the past 20 years from 2000 all the way through 2020. So far, we've revealed number 6 through 20. The latest reveal, Floyd Mayweather at 10, Lionel Messi at 9, Roger Federer came in at 8, sprinter Usain Bolt took home 7th, and 6 went to the late, great Kobe Bryant. Numbers four and five of the top athletes of the century will be revealed tonight on The Odd Couple with Chris Broussard and Rob Parker at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time, 6.30 p.m. Pacific. The top three athletes of the century will also be revealed tonight, but not in order. The order of the top three will be announced on Thursday. Be sure sure to tune in tonight, 9.30 Eastern, 6.30 Pacific for all the pageantry on The Odd Couple right here on Fox Sports Radio just to find out who who cracks the top five? You mentioned Lamar Jackson and a hot take. He uh, a heroic effort to come back on the field. We don't know exactly what was going on with Lamar. We don't have any confirmation as to whether or not it was cramps or maybe cramps with a silent M. But nonetheless, Lamar led the Ravens back to a victory last night, 47-42 over the Browns. <laughs> Did you come up with that, the silent M? Yeah. That's pretty uh, good. That's all right. <laughs> so I, I'm going to ask – you to do something for me, Jonas. Okay. You're a go-along, get-along guy. Would you agree with that? Uh, meaning? That just... you don't you don't try to find fights. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't, it's not my thing. Yeah, exactly. But I'm going to ask you to be especially critical, not irrationally so, 
But I want you to aggressive. If you have any questions or skepticism about what I'm saying, I want you to be particularly sharp about it. Okay. We can Is that, do that fair? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So Lamar Jackson, by all, even Get Up today was talking about it. Like you said, it was, you know, some type of uh, gastrointestinal uh, disruption. So let's let's accept as and when I say even get up, it's the kind of place that's not going to speculate a buy and chat show. Is I think it's fair to say that's likely the case. So let's assume that from you know this conversation, he was in the middle of the fourth series missed when the two minute warning happened. So at the beginning of that fourth drive that he missed, there were times, or at the very start of that drive. The Ravens had a 40% chance to win the game based upon the odds. So they were underdogs to win the game. And still, at that time, Lamar did not choose to return. There's no talk about the doctors forbidding, you know, forbidding it. He wasn't, you know, it was a choice. Can you, you know, you are you going to be able to come back in? He did not choose to come back in up to that point for four drives, including this fourth drive. And this was since the middle of the third quarter. So we're talking about a full quarter and more of the game. Um, Now we can debate about, you know, maybe on the terminology of he didn't choose to come back in. I'm not sure if we can, right? Because when he chose to come back in, there wasn't anything stopping him. He came in. Yeah. So do you think all that's fair so far? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's all fair. So... What? How do we explain the fact that he played so exceptionally well? Meaning this, he played exceptionally well after he came back in. He saved the day. He, in his own words, I think, said a Superman-esque return. Okay. But when McSurley was not hurt, he was choosing not to come back in, even though McSurley had one completion. In over a quarter. So just doing the math, that would average to three or four in a game based on how much, you know, a th- one and one third quarters yeah. or whatever had passed. So literally, when you're on a four completion in a game pace and you're below 50% to win the game and your season effectively is on the line if you lose the game, it seems like the stakes are about as high as they get in the NFL and still Lamar chose not to come back in. When he did choose to come back in, he played exceptionally well. My question is this. What does it say about the choice, the play before? when the, Before the snap that McSurley got hurt on, Lamar chose effectively to say, you take it, McSurley. I'm going to sit here and, and try to you know take care of this. If he came back in and couldn't play or was thrown up on the field, you could say, wow, that choice he made not to come back in made, made sense because look at the consequences. Look, look at him. He can't He can't do it. It's almost like if someone chose not to come into work, but then you call him up and go, we really need you to come in. The stakes are super high. If they come back in and, and, and do an exceptional job at work, on one hand, you appreciate the exceptional job. On the other hand, you have to wonder, wait a minute. Why couldn't you be here? Why couldn't you be here? If you're able to play like this, why did you choose not to play the play before? Yeah. What do you think? Um, it's all fair. Uh, it, it's it's an interesting there's, – there's something missing. There, there's a portion of the story missing. And it wasn't even just the fact that he came back in. It, 
I was watching the game, and a buddy of mine who's a little bit of a conspiracy theorist uh, just said, wow, that looked pretty scripted. I was like, what do you mean? And he said, you know, he just happens to be ready to go right after the guy injures his knee. It just it seemed it seemed a little bit odd. It just and he was kind of teasing a little bit, but it was the timing of it was weird because he didn't show any ill effects of the quote unquote cramping. He was doing interview. He, he was doing interviews after the game. Yeah, and so he and, and he scrambled and that fourth down play that he made that was all him. He scrambled. He got away from the rush. They thought he was going to run, and then he found Brown and and made the play. And then he looked great on that final drive to where they set up Tucker for for the game winning field goal. So yeah, it. it it's, it's a little odd, and mm. I, I just – I don't know. I, I don't know what, what the explanation is. I don't know if he just – I don't think there can be one. Yeah, because it, he, it's Here's weird. my point, is if it was all some setup or something, then first of all, this isn't a movie, right? So how could it be? They were below 50. Now, I get if you would have waited till the last drive or you know the, that, that fourth drive – Though I still don't get that because every drive you have in a guy that can't complete a pass when your season's on the line is hurting your chances to make the playoffs. So yeah. I don't understand why there'd be any sense of that. The only reason that that he could have came in at that time and not the play before, and remember the play before was third down, right? Like uh, so it wasn't like uh, okay the little kid tried to do it, but give me the wrench I can do it. No, it's that. It was going to be hard for Lamar at that point to do it. Yeah. So even a healthy Lamar. Let's draw an analogy here. I'm RJ Bell straight out of Vegas. Cold cash over hot takes. Now, a lot of, you know, I guess you got to be a little older at this point. Scottie Pippen's migraine game. But if you watch The Last Dance, you probably heard about that, where there was a situation where he just couldn't play because of a migraine. And it was a high stakes game. And really, he has not lived that down. Fair yeah. or unfair? No, it's fair. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And uh, w- what I'm saying is, it may be fair to him or not, but he has not lived it down. Yeah. And imagine though, if somehow the stakes had gone up, where it was like, Scotty, three guys have gotten hurt. We'll have to play with four players without you. Can you play? And if he runs out and plays and plays as well as he's ever played. Would that be good or bad? Because it would say he could have played. So in a way, Pippen has not lived this down for sitting out the whole time. But isn't that exactly what Lamar was doing unless there was some event that made it where they'd have to go to emergency quarterback or not? And Because if, if, if McSurley hadn't gotten hurt... Odds are Lamar couldn't even come out quick enough. Yeah. I, I guess it was right at the two-minute warning. So, and so it's like it would have been fourth and five, and the Ravens would have been a big underdog at that point to win the game. And all that time, Lamar was there capable of playing as well as any quarterback literally ever has it walked the earth is how well he played after he went back in. Yeah, that must have been the most amazing timing that he all of a sudden was ready, healthy enough and ready to go right as McSorley ripped up his knee on the turf. Like that must have been just a a perfect occurrence and, and timing situation. Or there was something... He had a moment or he had moments there where he said, I, I can't do this. I, I'm not up for it. I don't want to take the blame if we lose. It, it seemed like the idea of, of, of shirking responsibility, of shrieking from the moment. I, I don't know how it could be perceived as anything else. 
Yeah, it's it's weird. And and even if he did go back and he had, you know, whatever, you know, he had issues with his stomach and he needed to use the bathroom and all that. I, I mean, why why did he come out in the first place? And why was he just now all of a sudden ready to did he just come to the conclusion of, all right, well, then if it's going to happen, it's going to happen. And, and they need me now. I just I thought it was odd that McSorley went down. The broadcast is saying, well, we don't even know who their their other quarterback mm-hmm. is going to be. And then here comes Lamar running onto the field. It just it, it felt a little bit too perfect for me. Now, let me know. ask you, I saw some footage on this and I thought this is but you know how they can cut footage differently. The footage I saw had it where Lamar was getting treatment or whatever and that he was kind of told, hey, he's hurt, he's hurt, and he jumps up and runs out. Now, did you see that? Because uh, what you just said a minute ago made me kind of feel like that he already had wandered out onto the sidelines. From what I saw, he wasn't even out out in the open until after McSurley got hurt and he was notified about it. He said, I don't know specifically where he was at the time of the injury, but he said after the game something along the lines of, I was stretching out and trying to loosen up. And then I saw my guy go down, meaning yeah. McSorley. So, so really effectively saying I was choosing not to even be on the sidelines. Now he's saying to get prepared. But, I mean, I got to tell you something. All you, If he would have came out and played horribly and, and gotten sick on the sidelines, I would have thought that was courageous. Like to even yeah. try, but to come out and play that well without any visible effects of what led you to not – play for the last what 45 minutes of game uh, of effect i mean let's think about that a whole quarter of football takes about you know 40 minutes probably it was like 35 to 40 minutes of real time in the you know taking care of bathroom issues and then coming out and playing that well that to me is worse than if he had played uh, we know he can play well that's the easy part yeah. in fact his QBR in this game was the highest of any quarterback this season so but some and listen he had covid so i'm not at all questioning that he was sick i'm not questioning that he was too sick to come in what i'm saying is if he was too sick to come in w- one minute, how isn't he the next moment? And when he comes in the next moment, how could he play that well and still have been too sick before? I'm not trying to diminish COVID. I'm not trying to, but what I'm saying is logically, I don't see any answer that makes sense. Yeah, it's very weird. And especially, and look, he was playing well before that too. I mean, even, you know, he had the issue with the cleats and they needed to change out his cleats because the, the field was torn up. Um, but, I mean, he was playing well before that. So I don't know if he just had a, a mental moment to where he froze or he felt like, uh, you know, there's a lot of pressure and I don't know if I can do this and or whatnot. But that would have been more in a moment, right, Joe? It would yeah, have been like 20, I, 30 minutes. Yeah, it just so, – and he was out for a long – time and you know people speculate when he watched him go back uh, to the locker room okay he's got something he's got to use the bathroom and it was like well he's back there a long time like this like everybody's been in that moment it doesn't take that long it's in fact it's pretty quick Uh, you don't listen if this were a movie and what we're speculating what i'm speculating is true there would have been a moment he was back there and he was like sweating. He was like, I can't do it. And then he would have said, you know, I can do it. It's like it would have been that moment that you don't see. Yeah. The TV doesn't see. But once again, a, a tweet at me, at RJ in Vegas, explain to me what other 
excellent. I mean, the, the thing that swings is totally is how well he played because it, it, it it's not like a cramp because one minute you can have a and maybe that were they saying cramps at the time or because that, that kind of you could see how a cramp you would have it and then one minute and then the next minute you don't that happens with cramps right anyone's done any ath- yeah. athletic but this obviously by all accounts wasn't And if it was, it was like I've never seen cramps that go that long without him being able to at least be on the sidelines or potentially be ready to try to do a play here or there. It just and I I, I've seen nothing in his past that would make you think he's scared. And but to some degree, here's the ultimate question. Why isn't have you heard anyone else discuss this? No, they just everyone's, you know, kind of having fun and, and, you know, getting a laugh out of the idea that he had to use the bathroom and that for 40 he's still minutes. Denied, yeah, that he's still denying it. But there's been t- like I remember this George St. Pierre, who's one of the great MMA fighters of all time for the UFC. He he lost in a fight to Matt Sarah and he got finished. And it was a huge one of the biggest upsets in the history of the sport because he was so much better. And Matt Sarah clipped him and he lost his title to him. And one of the moments at the end of that fight was while Matt. Matt Sarah is punching him on the ground. George St. Pierre is tapping. He's tapping to punches. And he got people were ridiculing him and making fun of him. And they asked him afterwards, so what happened there? And he just flatly said, I got scared. Just in the moment, I got scared, and I didn't know what to do. And he learned a lot from it and went on and beat him afterwards in the rematch and dominated him all that. But I do think we sometimes lose the idea that, man, in the moment with high pressure and all this stuff going on, sometimes the stress can make you do things and, and act in a certain way that you're not really we wouldn't normally do. And maybe this was one of those situations for Lamar. And you know, know what? If that is true – the fact that we hide it when it happens makes it so the next person wants to hide it. Yeah. And in a weird way, and not that this country is particularly forgiving about that kind of stuff, and I'm not even sure that's it. I just know that, that one of the roles the media is supposed to play is to ask the tough questions so they get answered. No one seems to be asking the tough questions here. They're celebrating it, which I get because it was deserving a celebration in one way, but why wasn't he on the field? Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. I'm Jonas Knox, voice of you, the fan. He's the voice of Vegas, RJ Bell. All right, let's take our last break. We got two big topics left. One, Giannis. I think there's an aftermath of this signing not being discussed enough. Number two, the college football playoff rankings coming out tonight. And I believe, based upon the odds, we know the final four even before the games are played. That's coming up next. He's RJ Bell. I'm Jonas Knox. This is the pregame show you've always wanted right here on Fox Sports Radio. Right out of Vegas! Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. (laughs) 
I'm R.J. Bell. We are straight out of Vegas. And I'm Jonas Knox, voice of you, the fan. So, R.J., big news in the NBA. If you're a Milwaukee Bucks fan, a five-year, $228 million Supermax contract extension was signed by Giannis Antetokounmpo. He is staying in Milwaukee for the foreseeable future. You just love saying that last name. Say yeah. that last name one more time. Antetokounmpo. Now, the did you have to... Like the first time you ever said it, did you say it that well or did you work on it? Uh, no, I worked on it a little bit, but that one, for whatever reason, is easier. The R's and the W's next to each other, like Russell Westbrook, always I always struggle with that. I, I well, no listen, idea. I'll handle those because I can handle those. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I think there's a lot of really encouraging things for old school sports fans if you think about Giannis deciding this. Number one – you could say small market teams have a chance because it's anti-American in a way, the idea that the only winners can be from Los Angeles and Miami and Boston. No, no, no. It should be, you know, the American way is everyone has an equal chance. And, well, we know that in many ways in, in life that's not true, and we know in sports that's not true, but when Ro- when the Rocky type has a chance, even Apollo Creed's the favorite. There's something about it, I think, that's heartening. So hope for the small market teams. I also think that those hope for superstars coming out of other than the top five in the draft, right? I mean, if you really look at the great players, and history tells us you have to be great. You have to have one player on your team that is great to have an all-timer, to have a real chance. And, I mean, you go all the way back to Larry Bird and Magic's first season in 79-80, and almost every year, with a handful of exceptions, there's been an all-time great on the team. And Giannis is now an all-time great, and uh, at least in the regular season. And the fact that he was the 15th pick in the draft is very encouraging to people drafting around 15, right? Now, or later. Also, I think it's encouraging that talent didn't uh, or success didn't come to Giannis all at once. I mean, during his rookie year, he averaged less than seven points per game. He started only 23 of those games as a rookie. So 15th pick wasn't all that spectacular. You probably weren't even pronouncing his name yet. (laughs) I didn't have to. (laughs) But if you look at the last two seasons, the case could be made that these are two of the greatest seasons in the history of basketball by any one player. In fact, this year specifically, if you look at his PER, Giannis's PER, it's an efficiency metric that people just really respect. He had the greatest season in the history of basketball. He had the highest PER of any player ever. And you might say, well, that sounds ridiculous. How could that possibly be? But then if you actually look at the other players that have had that kind of rating, it's in that range. It's it's MJ. It's Wilt Chamberlain. It's LeBron has one. So it's like everyone else that's on this list is the best of all time. And then there's Giannis. And then if you look at Milwaukee as a team, though, and this is where it starts to get kind of negative, is they are the best team ever over a two-year period to not win the finals is they they literally, over a two-year period, their efficiency numbers are the sixth best of all time. The other teams ahead of them, the Milwaukee Bucks of Kareem, 
They won one title. Chicago Bulls won two titles during the two years. Two of the Golden State teams and the Bulls again. So it's literally Golden State, Michael Jordan, and Kareem are the only teams that's had a better two-year run in the regular season based on efficiency numbers than Milwaukee. But Milwaukee doesn't even have a title appearance so I hope this goes well, and yeah. it, it's encouraging. But so far, there's big question marks about his ability, Giannis, to take a team to win a title. What do you think, John? Yeah, and I also think this is a year that, that this could be the year for Milwaukee they've built around him. And also, they're not going to be as fatigued as some of these other teams that played later because they had kind of an early exit. So I think they're going to probably get off to a faster start than most of those teams that played later on, like the Lakers. All so. right, so college football real quick. Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Notre Dame. It looks like no matter what happens, pretty much these are going to be the four. We'll see. We are straight out of Vegas, back tomorrow, 6 p.m. Eastern time, 3 o'clock Pacific, right here on Fox Sports Radio. And as always, you can check out the show on the iHeartRadio app. Straight out of Vegas! 